0: Whenever disaster strikes, our understanding of God is at risk. Some of us have been watching and praying for the horrible situation involving Boko Haram in Nigeria. How could people who presume to be so religious be so destructive and irrespective of human life? these kinds of events generate questions not just about safety and security for young girls and innocent people in that country these kind of incidents generate questions about god maybe even from people who rarely ever think about god why would god allow this is god present is god real Whenever disaster strikes, see, even if we rarely ever think about God at other times, our concepts of God zoom to the forefront of our minds. Another shooter in another town, upset about something in his own life, and he goes and kills innocent people. Once again, students on a college campus. Is God ineffectual, we might ask? Does God care? See, whenever we find ourselves confronting some new personal crisis in our own lives, our faith, our views of God are at risk. An unexpected illness. A new diagnosis spoken by the doctor. Another personal loss or another challenge that just seems too much for our lives. Is God mad at me? We ask. Is this the result of something that I did? How can we go on with life from this place now? We want to know. These questions and faith under fire, this is not new. As long as God's people have had a sense about God, as long as God's people have heard about God's presence and about God's promises and about God's purposes, guiding God's people, these questions, these doubts, these fears, these desperate longings have emerged from hearts and minds from the people. In the early pages of Genesis, Soon after God called Abraham and Sarah to go and be a blessing, these two great servants and saints questioned God and doubted God's capability. Through the stories of Abraham and Sarah and Jacob and Rachel and Isaac and Rebecca and all through Genesis, there are stories of doubt and fear where faith and understanding of God are very much at risk. And maybe you recall those familiar words from God's people right after Moses had led them out of slavery in Egypt, away from oppression, almost as soon as God had saved the people from the vicious Egyptians chasing them, the people began asking, did you bring us out here into this wilderness to die of thirst? We would rather die as slaves in Egypt, they said. Where is God? How can God help us now, they were asking. See, these are not new questions. Whenever disaster strikes, our understanding of God is at risk. And all through the scriptures, when disaster strikes, it is always the task of the prophet to stand up and speak up in such moments of crisis and catastrophe. It's the task of the prophet to clarify who God is and where God is and how God acts. If the prophet is good, that means a faithful and accurate voice for God, the disaster then is seen in a certain light. People are given a fresh sense of God's reality and God's presence despite what they're facing. If the prophet is good, the people shift their focus from the catastrophe to the presence and the promises and the purposes of God. The people find themselves enfolded again in faithfulness. It doesn't mean their problems go away, but it means that God is present and God's promises prevail. The prophet Joel is one of the good and faithful prophets. He used a catastrophe, a current catastrophe in his country, Israel, as a moment to reaffirm that not a single day goes by where God is not present. Joel stepped up. Joel spoke up to clarify that God is always at work. God is always present. God is always bringing care and hope. That was his message. The particular crisis facing Israel during Joel's day, the particular crisis facing the people that Joel was speaking to, wasn't a terrorist group, though it could have been. The particular crisis facing God and God's people and Joel was not rampant violence that was leading to unnecessary deaths from gun violence, though it could have been. It was not a new and another debilitating diagnosis that had appeared in one of the families there. Though it could have been. The particular crisis facing Joel was a terrible locust plague that was devastating the crops of Israel, creating an agricultural disaster of major proportions. Joel spoke about it as if it was a massive military invasion. Joel spoke about it and used the crisis to help the people see important truths about God. He said God was not absent. God was and is active in people's lives. God was and is active in the world. God is everywhere present and always at work. What we have to do, Joel says, is be attentive to God's care. What we have to do is train our eyes, train our ears, train all of our senses to see God's activity and see God's presence. And what we have to do, which is the message of the whole Bible, is to live into, live under, live from God's abiding presence and purposes. We have to live as God's faithful people. The particular verse that we're dealing with today, actually it's three verses. They come from Joel 2, 27 through 29, and I want to read them to you. You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, that I, the Lord, am your God, and there is no other. And my people shall never again be put to shame. Then afterward I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your daughters and sons shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female slaves. In those days I will pour out my spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A few weeks ago I received an email. This man had seen the article an op-ed piece that I had written it was published on Easter he had seen it and he wrote me several weeks later he wrote to thank me for the article and then he also wrote me to ask me some sincere questions he said he was 73 years old and he had been blessed with so much in his life but the current season of his existence had become quite difficult His wife of 50 years was in the middle stages of Alzheimer's disease. Though he had sought to live a life of faith, he said his current crisis was making it so very hard. So very hard for him to sense God's presence. So very hard for him to see God's care. So very hard for him to hold on to God's promises. He said he was praying daily for God's strength and guidance and he felt increasingly discouraged. Did I have any insights or wisdom for him? We've been communicating since then and we plan to meet soon. See, whenever disaster strikes, our understanding of God is at risk. How is it that we might grasp truly that God is in our midst? How do we grasp it? How is it that we might appreciate fully the magnificent, the holy, the abiding presence of God, the Spirit over us, around us, through us? How do we? I must say that this is one of my favorite Sundays of the year. It's one of my favorite Sundays because of these banners. Look at them. If you look at them, you'll notice they're moving. They're over us. They're hanging. And these banners depict for us an important truth. God's Spirit is always over us, hovering, covering, around, showing us in and through sustaining us, never leaving us. These banners want to show us that God's Spirit, God's presence, God's care, God's love, God's help, God, the God of the universe, the God of our lives, God is always moving. Look, moving, hovering, working in our midst. This is what Joel conveyed very carefully in a very important time and very effectively to Israel when the locusts were eating up all their crops. It was what happened in the early days of the church when Jesus was no longer around in visible form to preach and teach. The Spirit appeared in wind and fire with inspiration and power and life Covering all things and transforming everything. What's the promise of God? What's the basic promise of God? God is in our midst. Joel says, I am your God and there is no other. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. God gives vision and power and hope to the people, regardless of what's going on. Jesus said, I'll be with you. I will never leave you desolate. Jesus said, the advocate, the Holy Spirit will come and remind you all that I've said, all that I've taught you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. I'm in your midst. It's the promise of God. In an article in the Christian Century, there was a very helpful emphasis on attentiveness. How attentive are we to the things of the Spirit? How attentive are you to the things of the Spirit? How well do we keep our mind and our hearts and our lives open to the presence and the promises and the power of God that pervades all of life? The Spirit hovers over us. The Spirit holds us. The Spirit sustains us. But how attentive are we? The article makes the point that to become a skilled painter involves being attentive to the colors on your palette and being attentive to how those colors transfer with your brush strokes to the canvas. To be skilled as a basketball player or in some other sport means being attentive to the skills that you need to develop to be effective in that sport. To be effective at anything means to pay attention to what's needed, doing what's demanded in order to become better and more skilled. And similarly, to be spiritual people, to be spirit-filled people, to be spirit-led people, to be spirit-sustained people. We have to pay attention. We have to be looking for, we have to be open to, we have to be attentive to all the ways that God is present and active in the world. And it's often very hard to see because the locusts are eating up our crops. Or it's often very hard to see because the catastrophe is taking over our lives and we no longer see the crux of the matter. I'm in your midst, always. We lose our sight. Our vision gets blocked. We lose our faith. And we find ourselves stumbling and fumbling and falling. But there are prophets. There are prophets like Joel who reaffirm for us that even in the face of an agricultural disaster, that God is in the midst. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, says Joel, quoting God. Even on the male and female slaves, I will pour out my spirit. God's spirit covers everything, he's saying. There are angels also who appear and say, Do not fear. I'm in your midst. The Lord of hosts is with us. And there are depictions like this. Depictions of wind and fire descending to give us power and promise and clarity and courage and faith. God never leaves us, see. God is always at work. Always at work. That's what Pentecost is about. Are we attentive to God's presence and care? Can we find assurance in God's promises for our lives? Pentecost, in the message from Acts and in the message from Joel, in all the pages of Scripture even. We're not left alone. We're not on our own. We belong to God. You shall know that I am in your midst, says the Lord. Can we hear the prophet Joel this day? Can you hear it? For your life and your heart and your crisis and your worries? Can we sense the power of the Pentecost story today? Where do you need to hear it? It may not be with tongues of fire or flames that you hear it or see it. It may not be that. It may be the encouraging support of friends. It may be some calm word of grace that speaks to your heart. It may be the surprising words of a hymn that all of a sudden come to mind. Or some verse of scripture that speaks to your heart. It may be a simple note from someone you know. It could be many things. We have to be attentive to the Spirit of God reminding us. Lifting our gaze from the crisis to the crux of the matter. I am in your midst. God's love prevails. God's promises are forever. And they sustain us in all moments. As Joel affirms, you shall know that I am in your midst. Pentecost wants us to open our minds and open our hearts to God's spirit. Like this, hovering, covering, filling us. Can we do it? Some of you know the name of Peter Gomes. Peter Gomes was for a very long time until his death in 2011. Preacher at Harvard Chapel and professor of Christian morals at Harvard University. So in this season of graduations, I came upon one of of uh, Gomes' sermons from a graduation weekend at Harvard. Gomes was preaching about what it means to be a Christian. Here's what he said. To be a Christian means to be a changed man or a changed woman in an unchanged world. Anyone can be a Christian in a Christian world. This is a pagan world, Gomes says. A fallen world, Gomes says. A secular world, a sordid world, a shabby world. And it happens to be the only world that you and I have. To be Christian means to be a changed man or woman in the middle of an unchanged world. Gomes' point remains important. It takes energy. It takes faith. It takes attentiveness to live by faith when the world is telling us to do otherwise. It takes faith and courage. It takes attentiveness to God's Spirit to do the right thing when the world says, do the selfish thing. It takes faith and commitment and trust and attentiveness to forgive when the world says hold a grudge or to love when the world says no, just win and conquer. It takes grace and faith and openness to God's spirit to look beyond all that threatens us, all that pushes us down, all that seems to overwhelm us and see God present. God's spirit Always at work. I am in your midst, says the Lord. We're called to be changed people in an unchanged world. We're called to be spiritual people and faithful people who hold on to God's promises and God's presence no matter what we're dealing with on this Pentecost. May that be our way. In fact, may the power and the presence and the promises of God so fill our lives that we live trusting God and serving God today and tomorrow and forever. Hallelujah. Amen. Let us pray. Pour out your Spirit on all of us, O oh God, on all flesh. Pour out your Spirit and move us to new, deeper ways of living and loving as disciples of Jesus. Amen.